0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Our Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we're thankful. I recall it says in the Bible, I may have mentioned this already, you've said, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And so here we are as as baby birds, as it were, Mouths wide open, asking that you would fill us. Open our hearts, Lord, and fill them. Speak to us. We want to hear from you. We ask that it would be so. Bless this evening, we ask of you. In Jesus' name, please say, amen. Amen. We have in the Bradshaw home... Just like you have in yours, various appliances. Some of the usual things, the blender, I love that Vitamix, instant pot. We like that instant pot so much. My wife likes that instant pot so much, we have two. Not even sure why, but we have two. Why don't you give that other one away? Well, I will. It's still there. I think we like the Instant Pot so much we want to have an Instant Pot and a spare. (laughs) Some of the other usual suspects, but we've got something that you might not have. It's a brown box about that tall, probably that wide. Yeah, something like that. And it has on it a fan. It was given to us. And somebody said to us, if you run that thing in your home, it will remove unwanted smells, odors. You might have a musty place in the house. You run that little thing, takes care of it. I wondered if it was an ozonator. Those are real good. It's not an ozonator. When you run it, it does leave a sort of a smell behind. My wife, Melissa, is convinced this is the best thing since somebody took a knife and sliced a loaf of bread. She's convinced. I, on the other hand, am convinced, convinced, The thing is useless. (laughs) A couple of months ago, our nephew, who had recently bought a used car, wanted to get the cigarette smoke smell out of the car. My wife said, bring the car into the garage, plug that thing in, put it in the car, close up the car, run the thing for a a while. He ran ran it and ran it and ran it and ran it for days and hours and months and weeks. He ran this thing. And when he turned it off, took it out of the car, opened up the car, the car smelled just as bad as when he first put it in there. This is not a source of contention or irritation in our home. Of course it's not. I mean, I'm right. My wife is wrong. That's, that's pretty simple. Does it work? I don't think so. I said to her one day, does this thing work? It's a good question. I think a fair question. If it works, it works. I don't think it does. Melissa is convinced it does, which is probably enough to tell you that she's right, and I'm not right. (laughs) Figure this out. Opposites attract, and I have a really smart wife. But I don't think it does. Does this thing work? It's a good question to ask yourself. It's been a while now, but every so often somebody's going to tell me that this copper bracelet that they're wearing, they wear the copper bracelet because it, it, it heals arthritis or stops bedwetting or, or, or something or other. I've never seen any empirical data that suggests that those claims are true. I ask the question, does this thing work? Of course, the wearer says every single time, it works. You remember everywhere you went, there was somebody telling you that what you need was colloidal silver. Just drink this. There are people here tonight. They're going to stop. I'm going to run as soon as the sermon is over because if I don't, someone is going to tackle me to the ground. I'm not letting you up until you admit that colloidal silver is the best thing. Since that fan thing your wife brought home. Fair comparison. Claudio silver, it'll get rid of warts. It'll get rid of ringing in your ears. It'll make you prettier. Everything. Does this thing work? Years ago, I was it 20? That's not long. We all, most of us think 20 years was not long. My wife and I are on the road, and people were extolling the virtues of barley grass or barley green or something like that. I'm looking at this stuff, I put it in the cup, I mix it up. They say, oh no, you really need to put like orange juice or something in there. If you've got to adulterate it just so it's palatable, you should probably stay away from it. And I choked this thing back, put my glass down, I turned to my wife, I said, does this stuff work? It better, I want to be three inches taller after drinking that. I went through so much grief. I want to have my hair back. (laughs) Wrinkles gone. I'm sure it's good for you. No, wait, wait. I'm not sure it's good for you, but I'm willing to admit that it probably is, or or it may be. At least it's green, right? (laughs) I do a lot of the laundry at home. A lot of the laundry. Most of the laundry at home. Gentlemen. You do the laundry. No, no, you don't do the laundry. The, the, the appliance does the laundry. And you do the laundry, it's the easiest thing in the world, and your wife thinks you're a hero for doing the laundry. Honey, I didn't do anything. It was the machine that did it. Then I took it out and put it in the dryer. I made sure I didn't mix the colors so we didn't get all of that stuff going on. It's pretty easy. Gentlemen, <clears throat> easy way to score big points. There are gentlemen going to go home from camp meeting they'll remember that more than anything. (laughs) Sorry, guys. It might be that your wife remembers that more than anything. He said it was easy. If he can do it, sorry, I don't mean to start anything. But I go to the dryer, and I open the dryer, and I find these three little balls in there. They're plastic. They're covered in dull spikes. Melissa? Melissa? <laughs> What's this? That's a dryer ball. There's three of them in the dryer. Yeah, they're really good. What do they do? <laughs> they make the clothes dry better. I'm examining. What? What do they do that they make the clothes dry better? Well, evidently, they stop the laundry from clumping. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. It makes the, the laundry dry better and everything runs more efficiently. Okay? I've never taken them out. I, I always put them. In fact, you know, you take the sheets out, now there's two. You roll over and be What? No, what? How did this get here? You can imagine my great disappointment when in preparing for this sermon, I went online. Do dryer balls work? I was crestfallen. Evidently, they make the dryer 14% more efficient. I couldn't believe it. It's not that I wanted to tell my wife, I told you so. Okay, I wanted to tell my wife, I told you so couldn't do it evidently there is some utility in using these things evidently my wife has a fitness tracker we go walking together how far we walk three and a half miles great now why does my daughter's fitness tracker say we walk 4.2 miles every time turns out her fitness tracker is out of whack by about 10 percent. so she thinks she went for a five mile run she ran five and a half you know you go and I And I burned so many calories while I was out running. How does a watch determine how many calories you burned? Tell me that. Oh, there's a sensor and a this and a that. And I'm saying, Does this thing work? Oh, absolutely. But and my heart rate is and, and so forth. Well, I I'm I'm so happy that the other day I stumbled across an article telling me that the calorie tracker on your wristwatch doesn't work. It's only a best guess. They take some data and extrapolate it out. It's always off, sometimes by a lot. Maybe it's a bit of a guide for you, though. Calorie tracker, we're outsmarting ourselves, I think. Medicine has been susceptible to treatments that didn't or do not work. Walter Freeman's a fellow whose name is associated with prefrontal lobotomies. They were a disaster we've all forgotten about fenfen. that was a, a sort of a combination of a, a couple of drugs well one was an appetite suppressant one was an amphetamine it was designed for weight loss and then turned out that millions of people used the treatment and lots of people ended up with heart trouble that didn't work tech products Google Glass I don't know whether you say it didn't work but it didn't catch on and then people they bought themselves a, a Samsung sorry a Samsung Note 7 telephone oh great and, and why is it this phone is better than that and my camera is better than yours? And oh, it's, it's a phone, man. You take it on the, on the airplane though, and hello, these phones would catch fire. Catch fire. These great devices, fantastic, technologically advanced little pieces of machinery. Don't you hate it when you're on a plane and somebody's phone catches fire? Oh, man. It's, That's a way to disturb an otherwise perfectly good flight. And here's what you know. After the powers that be said, you're not allowed to take that phone on the plane anymore, you know people did. You know they did. And there you were white-knuckling it all the way from takeoff to landing, hoping that the idiot who brought a Note 7 on the phone when she or he was not supposed to was not sitting next to you. But there's something else I'd like to look at at with you tonight, we are going to ask the question, does this thing work? And it's what we do in response to the question that determines the answer. So what is it I'm asking about? What is it of which we ask the question tonight, does this thing work? I'd like to go back in time with you, a couple of hundred years. Presbyterians, Methodists, and Baptists in these United States adapted what they had learned from Christians in England and Scotland, and they began to meet all across the American frontier in large numbers for outdoor meetings. Just 30 or so miles away from where I was just a couple of weeks ago, Large camp meetings were held on the banks of the Gasper River. People would travel long distances and the gatherings would last for days, and so the people would camp. A Presbyterian minister named John McCready described what happened at a camp meeting in the year 1800. He wrote, no person seemed to wish to go home. Hunger and sleep seemed to affect nobody. Eternal things were the vast concern, McCready wrote. Here, awakening and converting work was to be found in every part of the multitude. Sober professors, he's really saying nominal Christians, who had been communicants for many years, Now lying prostrate on the ground, crying out in such language as thus. I have been a sober professor. I have been a communicant. Oh, I see that religion is a sensible thing. I feel the pains of hell in my soul and body. Oh, how I would have despised any person a few days ago who would have acted as I am doing now. But oh, I cannot help it. Little children... Young men and women And old gray-headed people Persons of every description White and black Interesting, this was written in the year 1800 White and black Were to be found in every part of the multitude Crying out for mercy In the most extreme distress People would come to camp meeting in their thousands And large numbers of people were converted. In 1868, Seventh-day Adventists gathered for the first Adventist camp meeting on the farm of an E.H. Root in Wright, Michigan, about 10 miles from Grand Rapids, not very far from here. Since then, we have held camp meeting virtually every year on every continent. Perhaps in every country where our work is, maybe one could say in every conference, certainly in every conference, in most unions, in many divisions around the world. Camp meeting takes an immense amount of time, planning, a lot of resources. Virtually every pastor in the Michigan conference and every office worker is here This week they are being paid. Do the math, just that alone, and you see the expenses rising and rising and rising. The security, the planning, the getting stuff together, the camp pitch, the tear down, the bringing in of vehicles, and the taking away of resources I've got a question for you tonight and my question is does this thing work I'm not asking from a position of doubt I am asking to awaken inquiry what would be the measure of whether or not camp meeting works You might think that our answer would of necessity be an arbitrary answer. But I don't think that's true. What is camp meeting? This is a a spiritual convocation. This is a time to come together for the purpose of focusing primarily, primarily focusing on the Word of God. What's the point? The point then surely must be our transformation, our spiritual growth, our growth in the grace of Almighty God. Surely, the point of camp meeting is that we become more like Jesus. Back to my question, does this thing work? Is the point of camp meeting to come and camp and enjoy living outdoors, indoors, outdoors for a week or 10 days? Is, is, is that the point? Is the point of camp meeting, ah, I can come together and with other people. We, we can go to the ABC and buy bargain books. We can buy veggie links by the caseload. They're bound to have them on sale. We can buy a year's supply of that substitute meat stuff. And if you do, please, for the sake of everyone, if you buy a year's supply, make sure it lasts a year. Your world can be a very different place if you chewed through it in a month or two weeks. <laughs> Is the point of camp meeting, going out here to the food truck, which is, I am told, the place that has the best food at camp meeting. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've been told. Is that the point? Is the point to go and sit in the cafeteria and eat that very, and I mean this, very good camp meeting food. Lunch today was fabulous. Thank you to the kitchen staff, the cafeteria staff. They're doing a phenomenal job, and I don't know how often they get thanked. Thank them when you can. They're doing wonderful. Is the purpose of camp meeting to come and run the 5K? Is that the the purpose? Is the purpose of camp meeting, to see old friends, is it, is it, is it, is it simply a good spiritual place to have a family reunion? Is, is that what it is? Is it, I can go to seminars, I can get all this free material, I can come to the sermons at night and, and hopefully hear something that will encourage me in the Lord. Is, is that the point of camp meeting? Surely it cannot be. Of course those things aren't bad. Yes, get together with your friends. Surely hang out with the Pathfinder people. Yes, have a little reunion here. Do go to the ABC. Buy all you need and, and some or much of what you want. Surely give money to the offering. Surely hear a sermon that maybe you'll remember beyond the final amen. Go to a seminar presentation and hear the, the types of expert and committed and consecrated teachers and preachers and leaders And you don't get a chance to hear all the time in your little church. Sure, those are good things. But friend, camp meeting must be about more than that. I don't know who is keeping count. I don't know if anybody knows for sure. But Michigan Conference has been running camp meeting for years and years and years and years. It is legendary to the extent that just a couple of days ago I was talking with some people who told me how happy they were to be at Grand Ledge again. But that's what camp meeting means to people. It's deeply ingrained in their psyche. Cut them and they'll bleed. Camp meeting, you understand. I was at a camp meeting just the other day, and there was a family providing lunch. They invite all kinds of friends. They invite people they don't know, and they invited me, and they invited, I mean, every man and his dog was coming through that tent. How long have you been doing that? They said, well, we took over from our parents when our parents uh, were getting too old to do it, and we didn't want to see the tradition stop. Well, how long have they done it? Well, they've done it ever since camp meeting moved here. How long has your family been doing this? Must be 60 years at least. One family, every year without fail, providing lunch, not for everybody now, but for dozens of people, scores of people. I'm thinking it had to be at least 100 people go through their tent They'd been doing it for decades. Good food, too. But you'd be making a mistake if you went to camp meeting for that. If that's an an inducement, oh, well and good. But that's not why we come to camp meeting. Or is it? We can come for the fun and the food and the fellowship. and We can come for the fun and the food and the fellowship and not go away any closer to Jesus than when we arrived and heaven must weep if that's the reality friend of God camp meeting was given us by God that we might grow our faith that we might be strengthened that we might be converted or converted again So I'm going to ask you a question. Does this thing work? You're going to be the one who decides the answer to that. What's the point of our faith if our faith isn't changing us? We have not been called by God to be secular wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing. Worldly people with a a Christian sticker, a little fish sticker attached to the bumper of our lives. There's got to be more to it than that. The Apostle Paul wrote to Christians living in Rome, challenging place, man, challenging place. You want to talk about secular society today, let's talk about what Rome was like in the year 40, 50, 60, 70 A.D. Rome was rough. Rome was filled with idols. Rome was a testament to man's idea of his own brilliance. Rome was not a city dedicated in any way to the creator God. And Paul wrote to Christians living in that challenging milieu. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is, he said, your reasonable service. Come on now. Paul said, I am appealing to you. To live for Jesus like you are a burnt offering. That is, everything on the altar, everything burned up for the sake and the love of God. Paul is saying, that's what I'm asking you people in Rome. He's saying tonight, that's what I'm asking you people at Cedar Lake, Battle Creek, Mount Pleasant, Ann Arbor, Troy, Detroit, Kalamazoo, I am asking you to live as though you are on the altar being consumed for God. And he says, I ask that of you because it is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for a Christian to live in such a way that his or her whole life is given to God. Reasonable. Your reasonable service. And then he said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A burnt offering. Some of us, we legalists, rule keepers. Others are sensationalists, like the Athenians, Spending your time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. You can be a progressive if that's what you want to call yourself. I don't know what that is. I think if you're progressive, then that means that your life has given to Jesus and you're on the altar and you're being burned up because you are making progress in your Christian walk. The progressive who says, I'm a progressive, I'm leaving the church behind is merely someone who's an apostasy. If you're leaving the church behind. I'm growing on from these unenlightened teachings. No, no, no. This is the faith once given to us by the saints. We don't move on from that. We hang on to that. Folks pushing the envelope, reinventing the message. Oh, I understand we used to believe this, but now if you look at it from this perspective, we are broadening the definition and widening the understanding all the way to hell. Friend, we have to be more than that. Legalist, moralist, progressive, liberal, conservative. we got to be Christians. That's what we must be. People who live with our eyes fixed on God. Hearts bound up with the heart of God so you don't know where your heart begins and the heart of Jesus ends. Christians, and if camp meeting isn't helping you to grow closer to Jesus, this thing doesn't work. And then you got to do a hard, long moral inventory, asking yourself not where camp meeting is failing, but where you are failing. If you can't go into a Christian property with other Christians, there's a Christian music and Christian sermons, and go away a Christian, the problem's not with the camp meeting, the problem's got to be with you. Saul the persecutor, arrested by Jesus on his way to Damascus, turned into an ardent disciple. Why? He had a meeting. Now, I don't know when he went to that brother's house, whether he was camping or not. I'd like to think the brother made him stay outside in the tent so that the preacher can call what he had a camp meeting. Whatever kind of meeting he had down at that man's house, he met Jesus, and it changed his life. It changed his life because meeting Jesus changes your life. Now, you can feel like a failure. I don't want you to do that. What I want you to do is feel like a believer, feel like a repentant Christian, feel like somebody who looks in the mirror and says, there is a failure, but looks towards heaven and says, there is a savior. And so I will hang on to him. I won't hang on to the mirror. Hang on to Jesus. Jesus ministering his blood in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. Jesus saying for you tonight, my blood, my blood. Jailkeeper in Acts 16. Jailkeeper, hardened former Roman soldier in a jail. The men are in prison they're chained up Paul and Silas are in maximum security God sends an earthquake everybody wakes up jail keeper wakes up oh I'm dead their doors are open surely they're gone he's going to kill himself Paul and Silas were even burdened for the man who oversaw the whipping of their back and the fastening of their hands and feet in stocks and chains they had a burden for him Don't kill yourself. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The man said, "I've an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with Jesus." And he called for a light, and he sprang, and he fell down before them. He said, "Sirs," he wasn't calling him sirs several hours ago. What must I do to be saved? You're going to come to camp meeting a grump and go home the same. You're going to come to camp meeting and your wife is sick of you, and you're going to go home and subject her to more of your sickeningness. You're going to come to camp meeting uh, misery guts, too miserable to write a tithe check and trust God and go home the same and then you're going to say, we got to go to camp meeting next year. Don't come. It hasn't been working for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You must have just gone to Disneyland, man. Or fall on your knees and say, "Jesus, Jesus save me, Jesus change me." If it was 1950, I'd be saying, "Kind of can't it hardly even matters," because 72 years later we're still. Gonna be, you got time. But in 2022, we can't say that, can we? You got time. You got time. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm going. I, I, I don't. Know. <laughs> no matter when Jesus comes back, I don't have much time. Look at me now. Not now, friend. It's 2022. Jesus is coming back soon we we, we can't I'll I'll, I'll repent later I'll I'll become honest later I'll give up my dirty websites later I'll stop being lazy later I'll start going to church later ladies and gentlemen this is later later's here and now Jesus says like it says in the Proverbs my son give me your heart that's what he says Camp meeting is Jesus saying to you from the time you walk onto the premises, give me your heart. And every day, give me your heart. You're going to be at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning to hear Adam Ramdon. And Jesus is going to say through Pastor Ramdon, give me your heart. You're going to go to some seminar over there and learn about this or that or the other. And in this while you're busy putting knowledge in your mind, Jesus is saying, give me your heart. There is a young person here who has come to camp meeting this year. Just kind of got dragged here a little bit. They go, they see their friends. It's, it's cool. But Jesus is saying to that young person, Give me your heart. I've got an eternal future for you. I've got plans for your life. I'll make you happier. I'll make you holier. You live a long time. Eternity is a long time. Give me your heart. That's camp meeting. You cannot go away from camp meeting not having encountered the Spirit of God. Are we praying in the morning? God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Lord, speak through that preacher to feed my soul. Are we praying that? Are we taking the opportunity to pray to pray with others? You're having people over to your camper. Are you praying with them? Oh, look at this, man. i got some special K loaf. And, and here i got some mock tuna salad. And we got the whole thing. See you later. That's not how you do it. You lay out the food. You have a happy time. And then you say, hey, before you go, we need to pray. How are things in your family? How are things in your heart? How are things back at the church? And by the way, let's pray for the conference. They talked about some, some 1% program last night. We've got to pray about that. I'm sure there's a church that's struggling. we got to imagine, imagine, imagine if all of God's people came to camp meeting and just took the time to pray. Imagine. I'm not saying no one's praying, but I know there are some tonight who are not praying. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, I want this to work for you. Imagine Imagine anyone going to so much trouble as to turn on this. School is out, yet here we are. The lights are on. And you're going to go away unconverted, mean-spirited, irascible, dirty-minded. Refusing to apologize to your husband for the way you've been treating him or your wife for the way you've been treating her? Ah, nah, not after what she done. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I cannot, will not forgive you. Ladies and gentlemen, conferences wrestle with budgets and finances, making ends meet, trying to stretch dollars to go further. Camp meeting is a mission, it's an opportunity to communicate. There is an important evangelism offering at every camp meeting because the Michigan conference is about evangelism. But God forbid that camp meeting pitifully and meekly devolve into a shell of what it really ought to be. We can't have that. We just can't have that. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, funny go to camp meeting. Brother preached all night about camp meeting. No, I'm just getting started. This isn't just about camp meeting. My point is, faith. Your faith. Your faith. We are not just going through the motions, are we? This church is the remnant church. Weak and enfeebled though it is, it is still the one object upon this earth upon which Christ bestows in a special sense His supreme regard. We cannot just go through the motions. This church cannot our schools cannot go through the motions i don't want my kid going to academy to learn reading writing and arithmetic learn that anywhere i want them going to a church school to meet jesus if our schools aren't doing that teaching introducing our kids to jesus calling them to higher ground i say this with no apology shut them shut the school that's what it's there for. It's not, and, I'm, and I'm certainly not commenting about this school. I was just telling Elder Mitchell, this is a school with a very good reputation. I meet people all across the Fruited Plain. They're saying, well, we're looking for an academy for our kids, and we're thinking of this one, this one. We're thinking of GLA. What are you, Le- Time zones away from GLA. Oh, I hear it's a good school. But if our schools are not pointing Children to Jesus and, 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 and bending every energy to make Christians out of them. Just shut the school, save the money, move on. I mean, don't apologize, just go right on. We're not here to go through the motions. We can't let church be some kind of club. I know not everybody wants to hear the three angels' messages, I understand that. But let them hear it anyway, because there's power in the Word of God, and we don't do what we do to please people. We do what we do to please God. God, and I don't say that I don't want you to think I'm being obstreperous or belligerent or bellicose. I don't mean that, but this is Christianity. I, I remember being a young preacher, and someone said, Oh, the union president is here tonight. I said, Good, he's a sinner too, he needs to hear the message. I, isn't that true? Sure, it's true. Well, no, oh, the union president's here tonight. I better tame things down or I better wind things up. Hang on to your seat, union president. Because you need Jesus too, and you need to hear the message. Nothing personal, you're a sinner, union president. And so you got to hear about Jesus. We don't, we don't shrink back in the face of human beings, do we? Do we do that? We go to church and say, well, we've been singing hymns for years, but there's some family over here would like us to modernize. So let's just change for them. No, we change for God. For God. If God says change, we change. Otherwise, we hang right on. Because we're not men pleasers. We wish by the grace of God to be God pleasers. Again, this need not make us belligerent. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a fervency in our faith, a commitment in our faith, a dedication to God. And why? Because we want our faith to work. Paul wrote, he said, if any man be in Christ, he, she, is a new creature. New, old things passed away. Behold, how many things? All things become what? Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, and he said, here's Jesus. Wearing a t- travel-stained robe. Jesus never went to church school. Jesus. He's standing in front of a, a, ma- a man who is actually high and mighty. And the man begins with a compliment, and Jesus cuts right through the claptrap. And he says, you need to be born again. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Friend of God, you, me, we need to be born again. That's faith. Are you, are you settling? Are you, are you like the girl who, who, who never did find the man of her dreams, and so she said, he'll do, and she's settled? You can't do that. No woman should do that. You're better off single than settling. Go to God and say, nuh-uh. If he's not the man of your dreams, I don't want him. We shouldn't settle in our Christian faith. God, if I'm not having the faith of your dreams, then you've got to overhaul me. You've got to remake me. You've got to rework me. You've got to transform me. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be satisfied with a half-pie faith. We just cannot. We cannot jesus is answering the question for us when he said to nicodemus you must be born again he was saying you may be born again he was saying nicodemus it's the will of god that you are born again and so we are struggling sinners with all of our hang-ups and hindrances come to god and we say lord you've promised me this experience give it to me Give me, Jesus. Give me a new heart. Who was it? it were, I will not let you go except you bless me. When did you last pray that prayer? When? If it wasn't this morning, it's been too long. Pray prayers that mean something. Here is the joy of being a Christian today. God says, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I, this is God. This is not your doing. This is not through your own blood, sweat, tears, and toil. This is God saying, I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I, God, will give you a heart of flesh. This is righteousness by faith. God, I can't do it, but you can. I'm corrupt, but you are pure. I am broken, but you can make me new. New, new. Not kind of new. Not a little bit new. Not just spit and polish. But new. That's why we're at camp meeting this year so that we can come here needing to be refreshed by God and going away not half pie, half baked, sort of done, but absolutely new. Friend of God, let's ask ourselves some questions here. Ah, that's not good, is it? When you forget your password. <laughs> Had some notes here. Thing done closed up. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you some questions here. Does prayer work? We're asking ourselves, does this thing work? Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 looked out at a marauding army heading his way. He and his people were going to be, you know, people use that word decimated, they misuse it. You know what decimate means? To reduce by 10%. Like a a decimal is a tenth. They weren't going to be decimated. They were going to be devastated. And, and I don't have the time to, to, to read the prayer, but, man, I wish, I wish I would. Jehoshaphat gets in God's face, and he says, God, you are God, aren't you? We are your people. We'd have wiped these people out years ago, but you wouldn't let us. Ooh, that's a prayer. This is your fault, really, God, because we wanted to kill them off. And you said, no. And here they are. If you'd let us, we wouldn't be in a pickle right now. We have no power. We have no might. Jehoshaphat said, but our eyes are upon you. We're looking in your direction, God. This was a weakened man. He didn't say, we deserve it. He didn't say that. He said, we are your people. You've stood for us before. We need you to do so again. And he prayed. And, and you know what happened in that war? The enemy turned on themselves. Killed each other. And they left behind so much spoil. It took Jehoshaphat's people three days to gather up all the valuables. In answer to prayer. Does prayer work? Yes, of course it, of course it works. The king came, and, and God doesn't want you praying any namby-pamby prayers. The king came to Jehoshaphat, not to Jehoshaphat, to Elisha. Elisha said, strike the ground. The man did it three times and stopped, and Jehoshaphat was rough. In other words, God was upset. He said, you're only going to get three victories now. If you'd kept on striking the ground, we'd have given you so many victories, we'd have completely delivered you. God would have completely delivered you. God was upset because the man prayed for too little. John Knox didn't ask God to convert his neighbors. John Knox said, give me Scotland ere I die. You're praying for your aunt. Pray for your aunt and uncle. Pray for their kids. Pray for your in-laws. Pray for the outlaws. Pray for your neighbor and the people across the street whose names that you don't know. Pray, Lord, give me Detroit. Give us the entire Upper Peninsula. We're not asking for a little bit of your Holy Spirit. We're asking for so much Holy Spirit to descend on this place, people won't know what hit them. Friend of God, does prayer work? When you pray, and when you expect, and when you pray in faith, and when you bring God the promises, sure it works. Whether or not it works depends on you. It works with you or without you. With you, your prayers will be answered and God will show up and he will do great things. Surely this thing works. Does faith work? Somebody once said that faith was believing, was expecting God to do what God said he would do. Simply because he said he would do it. In other words, living not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's faith. Faith centurion came to Jesus oh my servant isn't well oh okay I'll come down to your house no just speak the word only and my servant will be healed Jesus said I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel ever ever before and the brother's servant was healed in that same hour faith believing that God is able you're praying for grandma to get well believe that she's able and if she dies believe anyhow God was able for reasons that you and I don't understand fully. He simply didn't choose to answer your prayer the way you or she did. That's all right. No disrespect to Grandma, but I mean, that's okay. Let God be God. Grandma belonged to God; does not belong to you. Let's understand. We're gonna to go to God and we are gonna pray, Lord. We we need to earn a little more money so we can make that mortgage payment because things are getting tight. And then you believe, and then you trust, and then you expect, and then you go to God, and you don't let him off the hook. You pray and you pray again and you believe like you really believe, and God does great things in answer to faith. Does faith work? Yes or no? Sure it works. But what did Jesus say when when having taught the parable of the importunate widow? Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's so important that the Bible says in Revelation 14, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We are saved by grace through faith, believing that God can do what he says he can do. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you don't want to answer this out loud. Does preaching work? Mm. Now, you see, this interesting one. Because when I asked about prayer, Amen! I, your response about blew me backwards a couple of feet. And when I asked you about preaching, the reply was muted. So I'm going to take that to mean you don't know. And I understand. Some preachers will leave you feeling that way. And, and maybe you just don't know. But if you're not sure if preaching works, go and ask Jonah, who went to Nineveh. Nineveh. You know, you know why Jonah didn't want to go there? Probably several reasons. Recently, the BBC ran an article, maybe a couple of years ago, about an, ex- uh, an exhibition of Assyrian art that was on display at the British Museum. And they said this art depicted scenes of unusual cruelty, ghastly stuff. The Assyrians would flay their victims alive, skin them alive. You wonder why Jonah didn't want to go. You wonder why Jonah was upset when God didn't wipe them out. They were some awful people. But Jonah went preaching, and the whole place repented. Unbelievable. Not because... If any story should ever teach you that the power is not in the preacher, Jonah's story ought to teach you that. Power is not in the preacher. It's not in your pastor. It's not in me. It's not in whoever's preaching. But there's power in the word of God as the word of God moves. All of Nineveh repented quite phenomenal. And Jesus said as a result of Jonah's preaching, the men of Nineveh would rise in judgment with this generation. Because he's saying that this generation who had Christ in their midst wouldn't repent. But when Jonah went down to Nineveh, they repented, you understand. I'm reading from Acts chapter 8. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles... Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many that were taken with palsies and that were lame were healed as a result of the preaching ministry. Hey, I want to appeal to you, don't devalue the power of the spoken word of God. Uh, I used to go to a church, man. Preacher would preach for about 15, maybe 20 minutes. We left. Because as you have heard it said, sermonettes produce Christianettes. And I did not want to be a Christianette. Uh, Let's have 45 minutes of music and 15 minutes of preaching. That friend of God is back to front. And preachers, please, 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 don't preach just weak sermons. Whatever that means. We are living in the time of the judgment. Did you know that? The hour of his judgment is come. We are living on the edge of the time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. We are living on the time of the edge of earth's last great crisis. Open up the bible friend of god whenever you can proclaim it preach it liberate it do something great let the word of god speak through you philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of god when people heard it they were baptized friend of god something we we have these it is written partnership events we have seven of them in the fall every year and so they're not evangelistic meetings you understand they're not evangelistic meetings but, but, but this happens all the time. A lady came along, a very, very high-end, very well-qualified lady. She'd been dabbling on the edges of Adventism, and her friend invited her to come out. And she came, boom, I don't know who it was who spoke or what she heard. She said, I'm being baptized, becoming part of this church. What in the world? There was no appeal. There was no decision card. There was no altar call. But it was the Word of God. California last year, there's some some folks came out and they called their friend. Hey, we're going to some event, some it is written event. The man was not a church member. Why didn't you come out here to Palm Springs and join us? Sure, I'll come to Palm Springs. I didn't know the story. I found out afterwards. The man was a Freemason. I don't know what church he went to, whatever it was, it was sort of sporadic. The sermon is preached. He turns to the people at the table. He says, This, he says, This. He said, What do I have to do to join this church? What do I have to do? They said to me, this man wants to join the church. Why don't you baptize him today? Well, we had a little conversation, you know. And someone was kind enough to send him home and say, go to this church. Call the church. Expect the man to arrive. He came home to the church. This was in November. He has attended every Sabbath from then to now. I said he was a Freemason. I made a mistake because the brother is now... A former Freemason. I can't explain it. But there he was and he heard the word of God. Preach the word. Does preaching work? Well, it kind of depends upon your response to the preaching. But yes, it does. If you hear a sermon you don't like, pray that God will give you something to take away that's positive. I want to ask you a question. Does the Bible work? This is the word of God. It worked then. He spoke. Let There be light, and the light shone out of nothing at all. Jesus spoke, be thou healed, and people were healed. He said, Lazarus, come forth, and dead Lazarus came back to life, had to walk out of there with the grave clothes wrapped around him, came out looking like Tutankhamen, I suppose, had to unbound all of that, unbind it all. This is the word of the Lord. And that same word, that same power is resident in the scriptures. Same power as as, as the power in the word that Jesus spoke. The same creative power that brought something out of nothing exists in the written word of God. And God wants that power to be liberated in your life. Well, how does that happen? I'm going to read to you from 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. They here in this book that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There is power in the Word of God. Let me ask again. Does this thing work? Yes, it works. Now, you leave it on the bookshelf. You don't open it up. You don't read it. Don't expect that power to go flowing through your life. But read it, dwell on it, memorize it, believe it, support it, promote it. Don't drag it down. There is power in the Word of God. And so many people here tonight would testify to that. Friend of God, does evangelism work? No. Well, it doesn't work if you don't do it. But if you do it, yes. And someone's going to say, well, we had an evangelist here 10 years ago and baptized two people. We never had one since. Oh, hang on. Did you say you baptized two people? Yes. Spent a lot of money. What would you have rather spent it on? Two people were saved. Did you do another series? No. Oh, but hang on a minute. If you'd done one of those every year, there'd now be 22 people baptized and not just two. And by the way, they'd had some kids and they'd have shared with their neighbors and some of them would have become preachers and 100s. If you win two, do it again. That's four. Do it again. at six. Do it again. Maybe it's 12 next time. Do it again. Of course it works. God, it, it, and evangelism, of course, I, I narrowed it down to just the public meeting, but evangelism is a very broad thing. Sharing your faith works. I should have just told you story after story of people who shared their faith. And great things happen. But it works, ladies and gentlemen. It works. You want to get behind it. If you're a skeptic, pray about it. Don't be a fly in the ointment. Don't prevent somebody else from getting involved in some sort of outreach or doing some sort of mission work. Don't slow your church down. Don't, don't be a, a, a spanner in the wheels of the workings of your church. You don't want to be that. Evangelism works. You know how much evangelism was done in Michigan in the early days of this conference's existence? Whoo, it was full bore. And that's why Michigan is a strong conference today. We stand on the shoulders of the great men and women who went preaching the word of God everywhere. Just the other day, back at it is written. A gentleman named Jerry Mays stopped by. Uh, Jerry been in evangelism all his life. He's 84 years old now. Now you remember him, he married Dan Collins' widow. He married Kay. I said, How long have you two been married? 15 years. What are you doing in your married life? We traveling, holding evangelistic meetings. Now, Jerry won't like me telling you that he's 84, so I won't. I'm not going to tell you his age. <laughs> Kay, and many of you know Kay is younger. I felt like I was in the presence of true heroes of the Bible. I felt like I was standing before Paul or Silas or, 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 or Paul or Silas. I felt I was humbled here before me, people my senior... Who gave their lives to preaching the word of God, lifting up the cross, proclaiming the three angels' messages. I wouldn't ask him how many souls they won, because I don't care about that. But they've been winning souls forever, and they're still doing it. Listen, man, hope Jerry and hearing this. If you're eighty four, I mean, I mean, no offense. But you want to be careful about making long term plans. He's out there preaching the word of God, holding evangelists. Where are you holding? He told me some town in Oklahoma you never heard of it hasn't been a meet. You know what he said? You know what he said? He said they haven't had a meeting there in about ten years. So this is going to be a good one. Oh, he's eighty-four, fire in his bones, wants to preach the word of God, and you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to come to faith. Might be one, might be 11, might be 21, irrespective or, 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 or ir- 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 something, how many hardly matters. Preach the word, do evangelism, let God bring those who ought to be brought, and great things happen. Let me ask you a question Does the church work? Careful how you answer that question. It ought to. And church works, of course it does. God ordained it. They set up churches back in the early days. Uh, The Bible speaks about the remnant in earth's last days. And I just love what Nehemiah said. He wasn't talking about the church, but he was talking about work. He said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Come on, friend. The church has got to work. I'm repeating something you've heard a thousand times. If your church just disappeared, would your community care? Would your community notice? Much of the time, no. Let's make a difference in our communities. And let's lift up Jesus and preach the word of God. It's, th- th- this stuff works. The Bible works. Prayer works. Faith works. Preaching the word of God works. Evangelism works. Church works. Camp meeting. Let's decide together, does this thing work? Yes or no? It's got to work. Jesus is coming back soon. We, 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 we We just cannot go back to our lives the way they were if they weren't truly committed to Jesus and absolutely connected to Jesus. We just cannot do it. God wishes to transform. You know what I just read? John Newton, who was once a slave trader, And then he campaigned with William Wilberforce to bring about the end of slavery in the British Empire. And they they abolished it the year he died, a few months before he died. It was said that John Newton could swear, that is, cuss or curse, for half an hour without ever repeating himself. Not enough that's literally true. But the point was this man was a barbarian. And then he met Jesus. And then he wrote one of the most loved and famous collection of words in the entire English language Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I don't know how you were when you arrived at camp meeting. Were you proud? Were you mean? Were you dishonest? Were you careless? Callous, perhaps? Were you unfeeling? Were you unthinking? Nah. Not many people here tonight could be described like that. Let me bring it close to home. Were you lukewarm? Were you sort of in, but not really all the way in? Were you a church member, but not a disciple? Were you a pew warmer, but not a witness? Was your name on the church book, but not in the book of life? Were you able to say when you walked into camp meeting, and not in any braggadocious way, but were you able to say, my life is a living sacrifice. I'm like that burnt offering on the altar. It's so all going to get burned up, nothing left. Is that your life? Did, did you come to camp meeting with a talent that you haven't turned over to God? Huh? Did you, did you, did you come here with capacities, Having a conversation as I walked this morning, I, I, I think that's where it came from. The idea being you got talents that you're using for you, but not, oh, that's right, I was talking with Pastor Griswold this afternoon. Are there, are there talents that God could use and, and you using them for yourself? Do you have great plans for this world? You know, if I just, if I just keep on this road, I'm gonna make another million or another couple of million dollars. I get that another house. Nothing wrong with a million dollars. Nothing wrong with another house. But is your focus in the right place or the wrong place? Did, did, did you ever say, did you ever say, what could somebody with my ability do for the Lord? Did, did you ever say, I want to give more time to God and less time to business? Say, so you're one of these people, you're a dad who never sees your kids. Are you one of those people? No, man. You can't come to camp meeting like that and leave like that. I don't mind if you arrive like that. Bring them. Bring the sinners, bring the worst sinners. I mean, it's a bad thing that we don't have more wretched people in here. It's too bad. What's going wrong that we're not finding real sinners and bringing them? That's a story for another time, I suppose. But it's okay to arrive at camp meeting like that. Sure it is. Because you come to Jesus as you are. But if you go away from here, as you were then it's evident that when you came to camp meeting you didn't come to Jesus because Jesus said whoever comes to me I will in no wise cast out come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest it's okay to be a sinner but come to Jesus as soon as you figure that out and let him change you and save you and grow you and keep you and bind your life up together with his I want to appeal to you friend that camp meeting this year works Now, I don't know if you're going to leave this place walking on water or turning water into wine. I'm not going there. But camp meeting will have worked if you leave this place and Jesus has your heart. Then it worked. Then it's a success. You've determined to yield it to Jesus all your life. Everything on the altar. Jesus, take my heart. I cannot give it. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and a holy atmosphere where the rich current of your love can flow through my soul. Can you pray that prayer in sincerity? If you can, camp meeting will have worked. The brethren and the sister in down the conference office will say, that was worth it. Saw people leaving, fired up, filled with the blessing of God, motivated by the grace of God. They say, let's do it again, because next year, God will work miracles like that again. We don't have much time, friend. It's basically now or never. Do we make the decision tonight? Lord Jesus, let my faith work in my life. Let prayer work. Let this Bible work. Let the promises take hold of me. Work miracles in me, through me, in spite of me. Lord Jesus, bring me alive as a Christian. Can we pray that prayer? I think we can. Come on, let's pray it now. Let's pray it now. Our Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we come to you, offering you our hearts. We give them to you if we could, but we can't. But we can consent that you take them and make them yours. And so, friend, as I pray... I'm asking you to think very quietly about something that you want to surrender to Jesus. It could be that your whole life has run in a direction against the cross. You want that turned around. Now's the time. It might be that it's your your words, your demeanor, your attitude. You're just too prickly. Maybe you're not honest. You're you're impure. There's something there. You sometimes go to church. You occasionally read the Bible. Yield that to God and ask God to make all things new. He'll do that. That's what he says he will do. Father, will you take it? Will you you take what we offer you? Will you make us new? Will you rework us? Recreate us. Now, Father and our God, we want and you want that this thing works. So do you your work in our lives. We beg of you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Please say with me, Amen and Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.